The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba as we continue our team-by-team previews to get you through all 30 teams and ready for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. And we head to Southern California, to one of the better teams in baseball, one of the more fun off-seasons in baseball. Yet again, A.J. Preller, just crazy man, crazy man. And in order to break down all the madness between you know guys that got the trade deadline last year, more signings this year, and all the fantasy fun, like Vlad Seller just tweeted out that it's the Padres' turn between rounds one and two between three of the beasts in that lineup. That's how many guys are going high. I have a special guest, friend of the show, friend of mine, Barf League mate of mine. You can find him on Twitter at SammyReadFI. Sammy, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing awesome, Bubba. So happy to do the podcast with you, talk some Padres, and you know, it's, it's Super Bowl's over, and all of a sudden it feels like the floodgates for baseball are open. You know, it's like... I don't really do much baseball stuff until the until the football season ends because I'm so into football and it's just like, oh, here we go. Like it's time. It's go time. It is definitely yeah. go time. You can see it all over Twitter. It's all over the content machines now. And it's a beautiful thing because pitchers and catchers are reported. We're seeing we're getting all those uh, best shape of their life videos and all of a sudden guys are hurt videos. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. The lot- injuries already. Let's let's yep. uh, you, you remember what it's like. You're just like, oh, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. shit. My guys are hurt. Damn. All those are those early drafts i was doing awesome this is why you don't do them you <laughs> idiot yeah this is how it always works but uh before we talk padres your your team that you know very well why don't everybody know about that wonderful wonderful poker podcast you got going on oh thanks brother yeah i do a a poker podcast called read them and weep i started it i think like a year ago Give and take, yeah. y- you know i don't do a ton of like sports content anymore but you know, it's like you get a little older and you start having kids and it's and and your time like really whittles down to just a couple things. And, you know, for me, poker is like that that real 
passionate thing I have on the side that I do. And so, yeah, I started podcasts like a year ago and uh, yeah, you can catch it on basically any any major podcast platform. I try to try to pump one out like once a week. So so check it out if you like poker. Yeah, he's a shark, folks. So if you see him come up to you and go, hey, you guys got a cash game going on, just watch out. Like he'll take your money. So just keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, he's he's one of the good ones. And he's also, yeah, don't let him fool you, FSWA award winner in the past and other great stuff. So yeah, content used to be a big thing for Mr. Sammy Reed, and he's very, very good at it. So uh let's talk oh, Padres. You, let's talk but- Padres, my friend. Juan Soto. Juan Soto, the big acquisition at the trade deadline last year, and things obviously did not go great for Juan Soto's standards in the second half. It's been well documented. Um, I'm willing to give a mulligan to the man getting the new season. And this is, uh, for those that might not know, Juan Soto is kind of Sammy's boy. This is one of the guy that he's been in love with even as a national. So the fact he came to San Diego was kind of like, a, oh, geez, this had to happen. So uh, what's your thoughts on Soto maybe bouncing back here in 2023? Oh man, I mean, just just getting him last year was just so incredible. I mean, you can't believe because, like you said, I've been a fan of his since he was in the minor leagues, and all of a sudden he's a Padre. And I think the industry, uh, myself included, like we're all kind of giving him a pass, right? He's just this generational type of hitter who had a really bad season, and even his bad season by his his standards were was not that bad. You know what I mean? Like. Really, it was the batting average that that really hurt. Obviously, he had like a super low BABIP, you know, and and it's just like I think it was two forty nine, something like that. And yeah. it's just like people know, you know what I mean? Like I, uh, after last year, I was like, "Yo, we're gonna get Juan Soto in the second round. It's gonna be great." And nobody's buying that. He's he's going ninth overall in NFBC leagues, and you know, I I think this is really a year where there's like no set number one pick. And so I think what a lot of people are doing, they feel very comfortable dropping down to the middle of the first to the late first, knowing that the guys that they're getting like later in the, in the first round in the middle and late, not that much worse than what you're going to get at number three, number four, et cetera. So uh, Soto is one of those guys that you can feel real good about. Like if he has another 249 BABIP, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So the the guys, you know, baby Ted Williams uh, expecting a big bounce back. And, you know, there's there's not much in his profile to suggest that, that anything but that is coming. Yeah, and the big thing, like you said, is after that last season, like, oh, maybe he'll get a discount. There's so many great hitters in baseball right now. And no, no, still going ninth, tenth. No, it's, it's, so it's, brutal. I, yeah. I wanted the second round Soto because last year my, my guy in the second round who I just really love was Mookie Betts, right? No, that was, it worked out really well. It worked out really well. And and so the moment Soto had this crappy season, I'm like, this is it. This is this year's Mookie Betts. And obviously the projection systems love the hell out of them. And so many people draft off projections now and really look at those systems. So, yeah, you're just not getting a huge discount. I think he was probably like, I don't know what, like the, the fourth through sixth guy off the board last year. He's down yeah. a handful of spots, you know. But uh, I think you I think you can feel really good about another – you know, 30 homer, 10-ish steel season. You know, one of the only chink in his armor maybe is that like his sprint speed went down a decent amount last year. And he's a really young guy, still like 23, something like that, I think. Um, you know, it, it's weird for a 23-year-old to drop off that much. So you don't know if he was hiding an injury or he was just, you know, not not real pumped on playing on the Nationals for half a season, whatever that looked like. But it, it's not really a situation that, that I have any fear of like let's go Juan Soto 
Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about it either, especially in the lineup that we're going to continue to talk about on this show. It's just absolutely ridiculously loaded. And we'll go to Manny Machado on this one. He's going around pick 16-ish in uh, NFBC drafts right now, stud third baseman. It's crazy to think he's been here for almost four and a half seasons already. I just blows my mind. I feel like it was just yesterday when he got traded from Baltimore. And what the dude does is play 150-plus games every year, hits 30-plus jacks every year. He seems pretty darn consistent, Sammy. So what's your thoughts on uh, Machado, who kind of goes he goes after Devers. He's in that Riley area of the, the elite third baseman. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he goes after Devers, considering Devers's kind of team situation. And Devers is a great hitter, man. Like, like there's no... There's no doubt about that. But, you know, the nice thing about Machado is, A, I think it's been kind of well documented documented that third base is not the friendliest fantasy position this year. And so when you're able to lock up one of those stud guys early, you're feeling pretty good. And I think one thing that kind of separates Manny is his speed, right? Um, you know, the last couple of years, he's stolen nine, he's stolen 12. He's a guy that, you know, he's not going to steal 20 or anything like that, but he just does such an amazing job of filling in the stat sheet. Obviously, he's got a ton of great hitters around him. And I mean, the guy's just rock freaking solid. And it's crazy to think he's got like 10 years under his belt because he came up at 19 years old. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yeah, he's he's just one of those really, really special players and, and, and a guy that I feel extremely comfortable with drafting in the early second. Like that's that's just a, a kind of a fantasy player without weakness. And when you're looking for those early round picks that you can really depend on, like Manny Machado fits that bill in a big way. 100% agree with you. And I like the Devers comp like that you made there. Is I kind of with you where I've always been a Devers fan. There's nothing against Devers, like you said. It's just if you want to go team context, and we're, we're, we got to be nitpicky near the top trying to decide who you're going to take. And Machado's got to get the bump there and in, in that department. So yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you uh, as well. As These are kind of the easy picks up top here. We're yeah. gonna go to we're gonna go to one more easy pick. His ADP over the last two weeks is around nineteen. He's gone as high as ninth, ninth, and he's not coming to play until April twentieth. But that is one of Fernando Tatis Jr. and um, he's coming to camp and he says his shoulder feels great. The wrist is not a hundred percent yet, but it's getting there. Early reports said he looks great, but that's what you expect. But you know, Sammy, what's crazy about Fernando Tatis Jr. Even with projection sites having him playing like one hundred and sixteen to one hundred twenty games. They almost have him going 40-20. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous what the projections think of him. So what's your thoughts on Tatis? Is he worth the early pick with the, you know, three weeks or so he's missing? Or what's your thoughts here? Uh, he certainly could be. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, the projection systems are projecting him that way for a reason. And, you know, when you're looking at players who could reasonably go 40-40 in this league – I think it's him and Ronald Acuna, and I don't really think there's anybody else who can put up those kind of stats, right? That being said, I feel like the the projection systems are never really going to accurately encompass Fernando Tatis, right? Because there's so much that's not going to be able to, to, to be kind of filled in by their inputs, right? The injuries that he suffered really, they scare me, man. Like, shoulder injuries, wrist injuries. Uh, he's making a position change. He's going to the outfield. Um, you know, he's got the the PED stuff over his head. And I mean, the guy's been a stud his whole life. So I don't necessarily think, oh yeah, the guy took PEDs. Like that's the reason he's good. But you don't really know how losing that is going to affect him. And, you know, I, it, he kind of feels like a guy to me. His upside is so great that 
I think in like 12 team leagues, I'm pretty excited to kind of take the chance on him because, you know, there's more replacement value if it doesn't work out. But in these main events and 15 team NFBCs where it's kind of like if if your early round picks get sunk, you're at a big disadvantage. There's not a ton of way to make it up. I'm actually pretty out on Tatis. And I hate to say it because I love the guy, but like all these things that the projection systems can't can't really like figure out about him that they can't really consider. These are the things that that kind of make or break a player. And, you know, to me, there's just so much risk inherent in him. And there's other good players in that spot. I'm probably not going to have a ton of Tatis this year. Yeah, we're on the same page. I talked about it with Toby and Ryan on different episodes of our shows. And um, it's nothing against the player. If you, you know, obviously, if you start out the season, it'd be one thing. But I am super concerned even to this day when they're saying the wrist is not 100%. Like that, that's just terrifying knowing his history, like you mentioned. And I agree that in a 12, if you want to take the chance, it makes sense. There's replacement value that you can kind of piece together. You'll never get at that tease, but you can piece it together. Like Sammy's saying, in a 15, there's there's nothing. You're yeah. just you're done. And that's a big, big you're done moment right away. And so that's one thing. And I'm a very risk-averse drafter, especially early in the draft. So I'll take my chances later. And that's where it's hard to take to, to take my chances on Tatis. So and, I'm and with here, you. here's the thing, Bubba. I think he ends up going higher. Like oh, seriously. 100%. Once you see him play a couple games and hit a couple bombs, oh, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like and and, and he might well have a great season. Like I, I'm not saying he won't, but like, man, I I just can't. I just can't say this is going to be the second guy on my fantasy team. You know what I mean? Like, this is the core. This is my second guy. It's just like, man, it is risky as hell in a spot where you don't necessarily need to take those risks. Yeah, like I said, he's gone as high as nine over the last two weeks. Like, just the videos that came out on Wednesday of the way he was hitting. If I look back at ADP for this past week come next Wednesday, I wouldn't be shocked if he's like a top five pick in some random draft. Like someone's going to take a chance on him just to, to in an overall competition deal. And uh, yeah, it ain't going to be me. All right. The newest shortstop for the San Diego Padres, which forced the PED Tatis to the outfield is one X-man Xander Bogarts. Uh, he's coming with an ADP of around 87, 88 over the last couple weeks. We know who he is, man. He's a great average, usually a little bit of pop, kind of down in the pop last year, but still, Solid production from Xander. What's your thoughts on him in his first year in San Diego? So Xander is one of those signings that I adore from an IRL perspective, right? Like I I thought Josh Bell was a good player, but when he was batting cleanup last year and he was going through these spells, especially in the playoffs where he just, he just like couldn't hit. It was like, dude, this is our cleanup hitter. Like we have to get somebody else in here. And now we have one. I've always kind of considered Xander, Kind of a kind of a poor man's Mookie Betts. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he doesn't have much speed, but he's got this like preternatural like bat to ball skill, and he he's just a really impressive player. I love having him on the team. I think he's going to be great for the team. That being said, I'm not that pumped on him in fantasy, um, and I and I think the reason is is because he doesn't have like an abundance of power nor an abundance of speed. Right, the thing that really has separated Xander over the years is his high batting average and I think leaving Fenway which is essentially the best ballpark a right-handed hitter can be in you know the this side of Coors taking him out of that and putting him into Petco most of the projection systems have him like in the high 260s low 270s really solid in this in this kind of environment but that's a far cry from 300 right so if you have a guy who's going to hit 
I don't know, 22, 25 home runs somewhere in there. Not very much speed. I think his counting stats will be fine, but I I like guys that have category juice, right? I want the power and I want the speed. And if if he's not going to give you those and he's not going to be like an elite player in average, he's fine, but he's not a guy I'm especially targeting from, from a fantasy perspective. You nailed it all. I rarely ever draft Sandra Bogarts because of the, the, the reasons you mentioned. And he gets he's, he's a top 100 pick because he was either with Boston. Now he's on this loaded Padres team. Like it comes with all that juice. If he was on the Royals per se, probably has like a 140 ADP or something yeah. like it's, he, yeah. he, get, he gets that juice for who he's the teams and affiliations he has. And like you said, he's a great real life player. Phenomenal real life player. Fantasy-wise, I can never click that button because there's guys either before him I'm taking a shortstop or after him where I, I like the situation and other stuff during his spot of the draft that gives you more of the juice you're talking about. And so yeah, um, I'm it, I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at the the projections right now. ATC has him at 19 homers, seven steals. That doesn't cut it for a top 100 pick. Yeah, that ain't it. Yeah. No, that ain't it, man. Um, a guy that is it, which I love, and people hate on him, and I get it. I get where the hate comes from because it's not like great, great, but Rake Cronenworth, Jake Cronenworth, for those keeping track at home, with an ADP of almost 200. This is why I like him because he has the multi-position eligibility this year at NFBC. It's only first and second. Still not bad. That's corner infield, middle infield. Dude's got a little bit of pop. Hits for last year. The average was not there. But that might have been a trend in San Diego. Who knows? But the counting stats were even good for Jake. Obviously, he hit a lot of cleanup last year, or at least a third or fourth. Probably not going to happen this year. Um, but I still, for his value, he always intrigues me. Tell me I'm right or wrong. And I was like, what's your thoughts on Jake Cronenworth? Yeah, I actually think you're right. And and we can kind of lump him in, at, at least I kind of do, a little bit with Trent Grisham. Um, yeah. They are not, like, they were guys that that people freaking loved. I mean, loved and disappointed where they were being drafted last year and, and a little bit the year before, uh, but especially last year. And they are the same damn players they've always been. Only now you're getting significant discounts, right? Trent Grisham is the same guy. He's a, you know, he he's a he's a very volatile type of player. He's not going to play a ton versus lefties the way the team's constructed right now. Um, you know, he he's he's got a lot of risk in his profile, not a great batting average, but he's got some power and some speed. Now, when he's getting drafted in the eighth round, it's like, eh, it's a little iffy. When he's going around pick 300, hot damn, let's go. And I think it's the same thing for Rake, right? Rake was, I don't i don't know exactly where it was, but he was a pretty high pick last year. Like, Feels like yeah. the 60-ish, 70th, something like that, somewhere yeah. in that range. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, okay, we're kind of overrating a little bit what he is, but he's the exact same player he was, and now he's going at pick 200. Like you said, multi, multi-eligible. The guy's a really solid hitter. This, this lineup is really going to see a lot of counting stats uh assuming everything you know people don't dust out and stuff like that like this should be a really good lineup i really like the value on both of these players quite a bit yeah uh that's good to hear because grisham's even a guy like i would stream and fab last year's for certain matchups there's a bunch of righties on the mound because he he had his, his power moments but jake's just a dude that he balls out, and if, God forbid there is an injury somewhere else, he they have no problem putting him in the middle of that order, and that'll yeah. be a beautiful spot to go to. 
Yeah, and then and then every time he does something good, I can I can tweet the Crone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, uh, so the, You know the it's Photoshop, really and it's just so good. It's perfect. It's perfect. I need to be. That's a T-shirt, isn't it? Somewhere doesn't Rotoware make that one or something? I think I'm, so. I'm sure they do. I hope so. I'm sure they do. It's it's the second best seller behind the the Justin Mason swimsuits. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, let's talk about some Whoa Nelly Nelson Cruz. What a deal! One million dollars for this man who had eye surgery, which can only help the production we saw last year. Um, he's ADP's at like 489 over the last two weeks. Like I've just been a sucker in taking him in DC. He's like, okay, I'll, I'll take a shot on this. Um, what's your thoughts on him this year? Because some are saying he's going to platoon with Matt Carpenter. I think if Nelson's hitting, no one's platooning with Nelson Cruz. Um, so how are you visual like visualizing his role with San Diego, and what do you expect from him? Yeah, I mean, I, I to your point, I kind of think his role depends on his production, right? Yeah. If he starts raking, he's going to play, right? And if he doesn't, he's going to be in a platoon and, you know, he's going to be the 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 veteran presence, you know, uh, with all these like young Latin players. Um, I think as a Padres fan, I almost feel the same way about his signing with San Diego as I do from a fantasy perspective. Right. It doesn't cost much for big upside. That's that's really it. Like you said, his, his ADP is in the 400s. There's a lot of things not to like about Nelson Cruz. Right. He's 43 years old. Uh, he had the worst exit velocity of his career. He had the worst max uh, EV of his career. All these things, it's just like, oh, yeah, he could be platooning. He's he's old, like all this stuff. There are reasons not to like him, but he's one year removed from being a, a really strong hitter. And I think, you know, when you're getting to this point in the draft, it's all about upside, right? Is this a guy that could theoretically play for my fantasy team every day? There's not a ton of guys going in this range who you can – take that chance on and and their upside is that type of player. I think Nelson Cruz is one. So uh, I, I won't say that I'm like going out of my way to like get Nelson Cruz on every team. But sure. like you said, when you're at this point in the draft and you're looking around all these names and you're like, this guy sucks and this guy sucks and yeah. Ooh, Nelson Cruz. Exactly. Um, yeah. I'm, I, I can be into it. And I think worse comes to worse. Like he's a guy who, you know, you have a week or you have, you know, a half week where he's facing three lefties, something like that. He's a guy that you feel really comfortable uh, putting in that lineup. And, you know, if he's nothing, he's nothing. But it, it's kind of the same where it's interesting the types of pieces that you can get from this lineup that actually don't cost a lot. And I think, you know, it, fantasy is kind of littered with these stories of like getting secondary pieces. We see this in fantasy football a lot, right? Getting secondary pieces of really strong teams at low costs sometimes bears kind of kind of fruit just by osmosis and i think nelson cruz has the upside at that pick to 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 be somebody that you target bingo that, that's one of the reasons i'm thinking if i can get him late and somehow he hits fifth in that lineup and starts to hit like goodness gracious it's gonna be glorious and it's a big a lot of ifs it's a lot of ifs but i want to take those chances at that point in time um let's talk how's how sung kim or high sung kim of uh you know he's got the second base uh starting job for now it looks like He's a third base shortstop on NFC, so maybe third base shortstop, second base uh, within a, a little bit of time here. And he's going dirt cheap, 242. What's your thoughts on Kim? Because he's a guy that we've seen flashes of really good stuff, and other times we're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm more kind of the yeah, I don't know on Kim. Um, like there there are people like he's got truthers, man. He's got truthers, and you know, last year he went 251, 11, 12 in 582 PAs, like that's not bad. It's not amazing, but like for a multi-eligible player, 
a guy that you may not have to draft as a starter, depending on your league format. Some people are like, yo, this, this guy's pretty good. My, my challenge with Kim is that I think the Padres want him as like a super utility guy. And obviously it's tough to kind of project playing time as we go in. He'll be the starting second baseman to start. He'll probably see some starts in the leadoff spot. And that's a, that's a pretty enticing role, but when Fernando Tatis comes back, it kind of changes the shape of the lineup, right? All of a sudden he's going to, I think he's probably going to take the right field spot. And so then you look at the, you look at the depth chart and you're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that Matt Carpenter uh, might play some first base. Well, then does Jake Cronenworth go to second? You know, there's, there's a lot of versatile players and there's a lot of moving parts on this team. Not to say Kim's not going to play, but there are people who say, I think I'm he's going to have a full-time job all year. I'm not so sure about that. And the other thing is, like, when you look at his numbers holistically, you know, the guy's got a career 93 WRC plus, a 372 slugging. Uh, the Padres actually weren't a team that stole very much last year. I was surprised because the last couple of years they've stolen a decent amount of bases, yeah. but last year they were the, one of the, the lowest teams in terms of stolen bases attempted. I'm not sure what that'll look like this year, but I'm just, I just don't see the upside with Kim. Like, I kind of feel like if he does what what you hope he does, he's kind of going to do what he does last year, but I don't really see that much beyond, beyond, beyond that, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I've never been a big Kim guy, so I'm kind of with you on that. I I just don't know about the playing time. Like you said, I, I see if I, in a perfect world, he's a utility guy and we'll see like the Brandon jury utility role this year. Right. And see, right. And see, see where that one goes. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that's, Matt Carpenter. And, that, yeah. and that's my perfect world too, man. Like, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, these guys are healthy. Yeah. I mean, it killed me last year in the playoffs when we were playing the Phillies, right? The Padres get past the Dodgers. We slay the dragon. Like it's going to be lit. Like we got it all. Uh, we got the Fernando Tatis Ewing theory going on. Like we're going <laughs> to sweep it all without him. And then we play the Phillies in the playoffs. And I thought the big difference in that series was that they had Kyle Schwarber at the top of their lineup and we had Hassan Kim. You know, it was just like this huge mismatch and it ended up costing us big. I thought that was that was kind of the the imbalance in the series where where they were just better than us. So, you know, I I also would like it if Kim was a more of a super utility player, not a not a dude you're you're like leading off with. Like I'm good on that. Well, we shall see how that plays out. Uh, you mentioned Matt Carpenter, another new member of the San Diego Padres theme of this show. Um you mentioned he's a play start in right field, could play some first base, could DH if Cruz isn't, you know, producing. He's going past pick 400 as well, so he could be a potential value, quote unquote. How do you foresee, like, in a, like, what do you foresee his actual role being this year? Is he worth the gamble at that point in time? Uh, yeah, I, I think he is. And only because of this, like, I have no illusions that Matt Carpenter is going to be like this awesome player. Like, I, have severe doubts that he's going to be able to, you know, fill in a, a full-time role. Um, he's got no speed to speak of, but the things that I do like about Matt Carpenter is a, he's been a really good hitter throughout his career. Like it's not just he, like he popped up last year and Oh, Matt Carpenter, right. We, he was kind of left for dead and then made all these adjustments and actually like came back in a big way. Does that hold? I, I honestly don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't have a ton of insight into that. I think everybody's guessing on it. Um, but he showed enough upside last season and has shown enough professional quality hitting in his career to say there's a decent chance that he's like a usable player. And again, when you're getting past pick 400, 
there's not that many guys that like possess that sort of upside. And so I think in an ideal world, the Padres, I mean, having him in an outfield spot is, is freaking ludicrous. Like, I don't, I don't know how roster resource has him in right field. And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm not sure about that one chief, but, but he's gonna, he's gonna get a B's. I'm sure he'll DH sometimes he'll play some first base. I think the team is smart enough to know, like, let's not like try to ride this guy for 162 games. Like that's not going to happen, but you know, he's, he's kind of the, the yin to Nelson Cruz's yang where, you know, if he's a dude that plays four or five times a week and, you know, has a decent spot in this order, et cetera, et cetera. And is able to hold on to at least some of the gains from last year. I think it's a super reasonable shot to take with, with this kind of ADP. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. He's slowly grown on me this off season. I, I had no interest at all. I still am like in love with it, but it's yeah. growing on me. With no, nobody's in, nobody's in love with Dusty Matt Carpenter, right? But yeah, still that mustache, man. Whew. That's a <laughs> that that's a look. That's a look for sure. A look on the back of milk cartons when you're looking for somebody type thing. Um, I want to real quickly talk about your catching situation because I've been going back and forth on this. You have Austin Nola, and then you have Luis Campisano. Yep. Campisano is a young kid, the big bat potential. Where Nola, you know, he's been there. He's decent. It is what he is. When you have a team as loaded as the Padres are, they don't have to worry about offense per se from their catcher's position, which leads me to think, okay, maybe Nola keeps it going out there. At the same time, Campisano could do the next best best thing. How are you approaching these guys come maybe draft time? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely depends on the league format, but I'm kind of with you that this is a team that is going to benefit from veteran presence behind the plate, right? Yeah, that's Um, what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's that's and and don't get me wrong, like that's not for sure the way it'll play out. But Nola, obviously not super exciting from a fantasy perspective. You look at the ATC projections and it's like 263, six homers, one steal. It's like it's like it's like aerial softball stats. (laughs) Aerial steals bases. Well, he probably hits for more than 263. Actually, that should be nice. Yeah, you got to give him the uh, slow pitch softball boost. He hits 363. (laughs) um yeah and 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 very uh very generous official scores in uh in men's league softball too exactly yeah but but camposano is is really interesting man like his minor league career 301 average 369 472 the challenge with camposano a besides the padres probably leaning toward more of a veteran presence behind the plate is that catching prospects don't translate very often like it is very, very infrequent. Like, oh, this this guy's like a really good hitting prospect. They they come up and they suck. And this See is Joey like, Bart. Joey Bart. Like, dude, <laughs> does he have a future? It's it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, triple A. Unbelievable. It's nuts. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they, you know, they 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 used to have the the tin staff, right? No, th- no such thing as a pitching prospect. There's no such thing as a catching prospect. Nope. Uh, I know the Adley Rutschman truthers will uh you know will will scoff at that but you know for every adley there's probably like 50 that didn't pull it out so i know there were there were probably matt weeders truthers before that right (laughs) so so i i I just yeah i think camposano is really interesting for the long term he's a guy might you know take a chance on late in like a dc is like my fourth catcher or something like that but in like managed leagues even 15 team leagues i don't necessarily think he's draftable he's more of a guy that i think we keep an eye on because if there is some sort of a changing of the guard in terms of playing time behind the dish, um, you know, he he's he certainly has the potential to be like 
a hot midseason pickup, somebody that that does well for you midseason. But I think starting off the year as like a draftable player, I don't really see that from him. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I, I agree with you, but that's unfortunate that uh, we're heading down that direction. It looks like for now. Yeah. Uh, let's let's head to the mound here, where you guys got a lot going for you here as well, uh, at least at the top part of the rotation. And we'll yeah. start with you, Darvish, who just got paid till he's like forty three, which is bonkers to me. But good was, for him. Good yeah, for him. It, but, it was uh, a little wild. I mean, it, here's yeah. the thing: I, I don't give a shit. It's not my money. You know what yeah, I mean? For um, sure. And and if it prevents you from paying somebody else, then it's kind of an issue. But for San Diego, it's kind of felt like, dude, the the money's flowing like somehow, yep. some way. So, you know, good for him. But yeah, it was a little bit of a wild extension. Um, that like being the per said, the per year, the AAV, awesome. Yeah, like that was outstanding. But yeah, the ex- that that many years, uh, six years until he's like forty three years old. Like, yeah. whoa, buddy. Okay, like, we know how that usually pans out, especially for pitchers. Just throwing it out there, but. Uh, <laughs> Let's see how this goes. But speaking of 2023, at least, you know what, that new bag he just acquired, um, you know, ADP around 78, 79 right now. Yeah. We've seen him be very, very solid, even when like velocity might change or whatnot. He still puts up the numbers in the end. So what's your thoughts on Darvish this year, who I've been taking as an SP2 a lot? Yeah, I I, I think I, I was very high on Darvish. He was one of my most, most rostered pitchers last year because I kind of just felt like he was the same guy from the year before. And people just kind of change ADPs based on what did you do for me last year? Yep. And, you know, I, I think two years ago, he had like a tough second half or a tough, you know, kind of kind of end of the season. People were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to kind of wait on him. And he's just been super rock solid. Certainly, there are a couple chinks in the armor. Like you mentioned the velocity drop, right? Um, he had a drop in velocity. Uh, or no, no drop in, no big drop in velocity, but he did have a drop in strikeout percentage and swing strike strike rate. And so those things are like slightly worrisome for a 36 year old, but you know, Darvish is just one of those guys. I don't want to get like too, you know, uh, kind of like uh hand in the sand. Right. But he's just one of those guys. He's so crafty. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't rely on like blowing people away. Um, he's inventing new pitches. He's got a really deep repertoire. And I, I kind of feel the same way. I think the Padres did where I feel like this is a guy who's going to age gracefully. And so, yeah, there, there's a little worry, like I said, with the, with the K drop and the, you know, the, the swing strike rate drop, but they're not in any area where I'm like, Oh no, like I'm so worried about Darvish right now. You know, they've gone to like God level to like solid level. And, and I still think he's probably got, you know, a year or two of being a really, really solid pitcher. And certainly on a team like this, not only the profiles to score a lot of runs, but also has a really solid defense. Like, you know, he's a guy who profiles to get a decent number of wins. He works deep into games. Like we, we like all of it. So I'm, I'm super into him as an SP two again this year. Yeah. Everything that you were saying early on there on Darvers, he's a pitcher, not a thrower. And that's what I like. That's what I like about him quite a bit. And it makes me think the way, like the transformation we're seeing where he still gets the ratios in the end, the strikeouts might not just be there. And then we talk about the 43-year-old thing. He could be your Adam Wainwright. It's very feasible. Ooh. Like by, the, by the time it's all said and done. Just think of it. I'll like, take, I'll take you that. You take that in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Yeah, like, 100%. All of a sudden, he's your, he's your number one this year. But by towards the end, he's your number three. That's still pretty darn solid. So, like, yeah. that's a – I just started thinking about that when you are saying it. I'm like, if he does this transformation, it just checks the boxes right in line there. And that's not a bad thing anymore. So, yeah, I'm a big fan. Big fan of you, Darvish, coming into yeah. this year. One guy that I've never been a fan of in fantasy, 
but I'm kind of intrigued this year is Blake Snell. ADP around 114. The strikeout stuff was nasty last year. It's always been pretty nasty. I'm not going to say that, but it was really nasty last year, especially in the second half of the season. The only problem, Captain Obvious stuff, Sammy, the dude doesn't pitch a lot of innings, and that's the problem with Blake Snell. So what are we thinking this year? Because whereas ADP is going, I need more than 130 innings, I think. I I don't think you're going to get him, bro, because yeah. he's he's done it once, and that was in yeah, his Cy Yep. Yeah. I mean, so Blake Snell is one of these guys, like, he is maddening to roster because he's almost like matchup proof. And he's matchup proof in the sense that, like, he can be facing the freaking Astros, and if he's on, it doesn't matter. He's going to cut him up. Like, he's got that kind of talent. I think he has a 30-plus percent K rate in, like, five straight seasons. I mean, the guy's just super nasty. But he can be facing the Pirates, and if he doesn't have it, dude, you are like tilting your face off. You're just like, no, no, no. Like, he can't throw strikes. He's out in the third inning. It's just a disaster. And, and I think to your point, you know, one of the things about an immense strikeout rate is it's fantastic for a guy that's throwing 160 innings because you can get 210 strikeouts out of him. Mm-hmm. But Blake Snell isn't doing that. And the other thing is, he's just been so uh, inconsistent in terms of, his team's ever letting him get through the third time in the order that he has so many starts where he doesn't even finish five innings. And so his win totals are never really that high because he just can't qualify for enough wins. So I understand the draw of Blake Snell and this insane upside. And you saw his Cy Young year where it was just like, oh, Blake Snell's the truth. But he kind of strikes me as a guy like I'm happy to have him as a Padres fan because if he's your number three starter in the playoffs and he's hot, sure watch out man but from a fantasy perspective like accruing stats over the course of the year he's just not a guy i really gravitate toward you know just just because yeah all these things we're talking about like i think he's a very flawed fantasy player yep sammy has taken me back from the ledge of drafting blake snow because <laughs> it's just so where i go back and forth that there's like you basically said there's no denying the talent the talent's yeah. ridiculous with blake snow it's um, the longevity, I guess, of Blake Snell in the season that yeah. becomes a little little more difficult to manage. Um, this other guy, on the other hand, can throw innings. Joe Musgrove, back-to-back, 181 innings pitched, 170 2019. Strikeouts went down a bit last year, but still not bad. You can, you can still deal with that. An elite ratio guy, more often than not, ADP around 80. I'm, I'm a Musgrove fan, and he's one of those guys, he's boring, but he's very, very good. Yeah, he's, he's super good, man. Like... I've actually been a fan of Musgrove since like his minor league career. Like I think he started off with Houston and then he went to, to Pittsburgh real uh, pretty fast after that. Never really got like a huge shot with, with Houston, but I really liked him when he first came up because this was a guy who walked like nobody. And since he's been in the majors, like he's kept that really low walk rate. And then like starting in 2020, he got his strikeouts and you know, he kind of like got up to that like high 20s and last year it was around 25. So like you said, he's not going to be a dude who like strikes out 230 guys. It's not really his game, but he's always going to keep that whip low because he's got really good con- control and command. You know, he pitches a lot of innings, especially in relativity to, to today's landscape. And he's a rock solid guy. I think he's a guy that I enjoy drafting, but I tend to like always kind of go with a shiny toy around that spot, like a guy who could potentially be a number one. Whereas I think Musgrove doesn't have that much upside to be like an SP one. 
but like has very little downside to be worse than an SP2, if that makes sense. No, 100%. I'm with you on that. And that's one reason why I like Musgrove. I think he's got such a solid floor, yeah. but there, there might be another level we haven't seen just yet. Which we'll, we'll, we'll see. The The thing that I love the most about Musgrove, uh, I think we both mentioned it, is the whip, right? The ratios, yeah. but especially the whip, something that the pitcher has quite a bit more control of than, than straight up ERA. And whip is actually one of those categories that ends up being really difficult to make up throughout the course of the year. You, it, It's very hard to like fab like really good whip guys. You know what I mean? Unless you find like a, a stud reliever or something like that who ends up getting a job. But like those those dudes who have like that sub 1.1 whip are like really valuable and, and Musgrove has shown to do that really consistently. Yeah, they're they're hard to uh, get throughout the season. They're hard to get later in drafts too. So it just yeah. makes, it makes Musgrove stand out even more to me. Yeah, you can regard. like... The the way it works, right? You can always get, or most of the time, you can get outfielders who have low average, but they have power. It's kind of the same with pitchers, where you can get guys with shite ratios, but but maybe you know, strike, strike out, or out something. Out. Yeah. So so getting guys to kind of do the opposite early that are really in like short demand, I think is is generally pretty sharp. Hundred uh, percent. The rest of your staff look for now looks like Waka. Nick Martinez somehow Seth Lugo is penciled in here. That kind of surprised me a bit. Yeah. Um, any of those guys have any fantasy relevance? Like we've seen Walk at times, but he's kind of a shell of his former self. It feels like, yeah. Um, so I think all these guys have some sort of intrigue, uh, but not necessarily to the point where I'm excited to take them. Uh, and they also have some sort of capped upside. Like like Lugo has shown to be a really effective pitcher throughout his career, and you know he's he's close to that like 20% K minus walk rate, which is a really good number, but his career high in, in innings pitch is 101.1. You know what I mean? It's like, are you going to expect 120 innings out of this guy? Is he even going to start? Like I'm, I'm pretty dubious about that, especially after the, the Waka addition. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Nick Martinez is a guy I like him in real life. Like he's one of those Jag rotation fillers. Um, you know, but it's like, the 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 twelve point nine k minus walk in his best year he's about to be thirty three just just not a big like strikeout guy I don't really see the upside there I think Morahone is you know a guy who's probably going to get pushed uh, considering the Waka news so it's actually Waka is the guy that I'm that I'm most intrigued by back here which is really interesting because it's like Waka like this guy was freaking left for dead. And then all of a sudden, he's actually been like quietly really solid the last couple seasons. And he's a guy that's been kind of, he's a starting pitcher. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not a, a dude who's going to get you 200 Ks. But like the last couple of years, he's actually been quietly like quite good. And he was a dude that we were like, I think pretty excited about when he first started pitching, right? When he first came up with St. Louis, it was like, dude, Waka could be really good. And then he kind of just like fell off and didn't become much. But he's kind of had this resurgence the last couple of years. Is his K minus walk rates have been 19.2, 17, and then 14.2. And these aren't like elite marks, but I mean, for the back end of a rotation for a really good team, I, I think it's actually like a, a somewhat decent end game guy. Yeah, ADP around 400. I had him in a lot of spots last year for his two star weeks, especially. Yeah. But um, yeah, he just doesn't get you strikeouts, but everything else, he actually makes things work. So, 
He's yeah. interesting. He's interesting yeah, he's to all, say. He's least. all right. He's all right. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, let's go to the bullpen here. Josh Hader. We know the ups and downs that Josh Hader experienced last year. We also, those that aren't living under a rock, understand Josh Hader had some serious things going on off the field during yeah. those ups and downs as well. And things kind of looked a little better as the season ended. Are we back and good with Josh Hader for 2023? I, I think pretty good. Yeah. I, th- I, I think mean, pretty good. I mean, yeah. The, these guys, so the, just by the nature of closers, like you're dealing with these 60 inning samples, right? And you remember the first game, I think it was against the Giants, where you guys tattooed him for like six runs yeah. in the ninth inning. And it was like, oh, snap, his ERA just went up to like 550 or whatever. Um, and I think he had like two of those outings or three of those outings throughout the year. And it was like, yo, is like Josh Hader cooked? I mean, these guys, you know, sometimes relievers just lose it and they're done. Um, but he he kind of got taken out of the closing job and then down the stretch he got it back and he was fantastic. And you know, you just look at his stuff, his his velocity's fine, he's on a great team. Um, you know, I, I his strikeout rate is like it's really tough to maintain a 47% K or whatever he had. Um, and 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 frankly, like he was going in like the second round, the third the early third round, like in points last year. You know, you don't Obviously, he's still going pretty high. You don't necessarily have to take him there right now, but uh, I'm as much as like a, a closer can be worth it. Um, I think, yeah, I think Hater's fine. I, I'm pretty optimistic about him. Yeah, he's still my third behind Diaz in the class, and I have no qualms about that at all. So yeah. I can definitely go to battle there. If for some reason something were to happen to Hater, you got Suarez, Garcia, Drew Palms back. Who would you look to to kind of uh, be that backup role? Uh, I think it's Suarez. I think it's Suarez. I think we saw him do some filling in in those spots last year. A guy they trusted, they gave a contract to, um, you know, a, a lot of high leverage spots. You know, he had a 30 plus percent K rate last year. I think, you know, I think Suarez is is kind of the the clear second guy uh, back there. And, you know, the, obviously we have some other arms that I think are intriguing, but, you know, a guy like Pomeranz. Uh, you know, like Pomeranz has talent, big strikeout upside, but I, I think he's a guy that it's like, yo, like the, the, we want to have him as a lefty specialist. We don't want to burn this guy out with like full innings every other night, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic about Suarez and, you know, he's, I, I'm, I haven't done a ton of drafts yet, but I think he's a guy like depending on the format that I'm going to have a decent amount of because, you know, like in DCs, for example, um, 453 ADP. Yeah, like that's he's he's got the upside where you know if you're all of a sudden making choices mid season between like a, a crappy starter and a decent reliever who's going to be in higher leverage spots, you know you can make that choice and Suarez is going to fill that role. And then obviously if something happens to Hater, Hater falls apart again, whatever that looks like. I think he's kind of clearly the second guy, and and the Padres closer role has been extremely valuable for a number of years. So I think it'll continue to be Yeah, quite a lucrative position to be in. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, I always ask about potential prospects for the 2023 season. To be fair, <laughs> a couple of things with San Diego here. They have a lot of veterans in the way. And second, they traded most of those prospects to get some of these pieces. So I don't think there's going to be much here, but I'm going to give you the chance. Is there anything worth uh, maybe speculating on or keeping an eye on for this year besides Campisano, of course? I mean, buddy, it is it is a tough scene. It's a tough scene to go from, you know, essentially like the number one or number two uh, farm system. And then you look through the ranks and you're like, yo, where did everybody go? And obviously, I don't feel the, sorry for you. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, when you have a good farm system, it's like you're 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 waiting for the future. And for the Padres, obviously, the future is now. They've they've traded guys like you know Mackenzie Gore and Abrams and you know et cetera et cetera uh, to get really good talent on the club now. Um, but yeah. what that leaves is very little in the way uh, that's you know that, that's going down there. There's a guy named uh, Colby who's got some power and speed, but he's almost 29 years old. I'm looking through like the ranks and I'm like, I'm not exactly sure that any of these guys are get time. I, I think if there's somebody that ends up making a impact on the Padres come mid season, it's way more likely to be a trade than it is somebody coming up from the minor leagues. So that's, you know, besides, besides Camposano, I don't really see a ton in, in that regard for the Padres and, you know, kind of, kind of is what it is, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. Not a bad yeah. thing to to know that you cashed in your chips for some pretty good chips, as you would. At well, I mean, the, the, the goal is to catch them in yeah. for a chip, right? And yeah. so that's that's, that's all that's you got left. Thing. Yeah, I mean, left. we're yeah, we're we're in the window now, right? So it's yeah. like, and, and these windows close soon, man. Like in all sports, and and baseball is no different. Where you know you have your opportunity now, and it's kind of I was so tilted last year that we didn't get the job done because it's like there's. No guarantee that just because we get Tatis and we get Xander that all of a sudden we're back in that position next year. Like you never know who's going to get hurt. You never know what's going to happen. And so these these opportunities are fleeting. And one thing I appreciate about AJ Preller is he's just like Leroy Jenkins. He's like, here we go. Like there's no time like the present. And it's really cool, even if you don't agree with all of his moves, to have like a GM that gives a shit, to have yeah. ownership that'll like put money thing. in the pot very few teams these days like operate like this. And so it's really cool. A, a organization like the Padres who hasn't historically done this all of a sudden, this is it. Like this is the team and it's very cool. So I, you I'm were, excited. you were in on every big free agent until you finally landed Xander. Like that's a great feeling to have. That's a yeah. great feeling to have. Like, yeah, my guy wants to make us better no matter who it is. Like we're going to go for everybody until we get one. Like here it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like you said you never know when you're going to get back there. You got to take advantage of it. Ask, ask the Dodgers. You know, they paid for one. They thought they'd have more by now. They don't. Yep. So, yep. yeah. It's a and, shame. And, and God willing, Bubba, we're seeing the the decline. We're seeing the, the end of the, the Dodger yeah. era without a, without a legitimate championship. Like, that, when, that yeah, without, they, were, they were supposed to be a dynasty. And then, I don't know if it's going to be. It's, it might be nasty, not a dynasty. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be fun, though. Like, I'm yeah. enjoying it from this seat. I'll tell you that much. It's baseball season, baby. Um, with that being said, my friend, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, before we sign on out of here, once again, remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, uh, at Sammy Reed FI on Twitter. Uh, ever since I have kids, I, I tweet a lot less. So, uh, you know, I, I guess my account's not as annoying as it used to be. And then you can find my podcast on poker, read them and weep on every single podcast platform. And other than that, man, I think baseball season is just going to be uh, me trying to smash a bunch of NFBC and see what we can do this year. So Godspeed. Yeah, can't wait to see you in person in a, a few weeks in, a, in at the rec room. For yeah. our, more importantly, it was great to talk to you. Great to hear you talk baseball on the mic once again. We've missed you, buddy. But I know things happen. I get it. Important, more, you had more important things happen. Let's put it that way. But uh, again, make sure you check out Sammy on Twitter at Sammy Reed Fi. This was Benched with Bubba, your San Diego Padres season preview. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>